do I follow that? <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Resurrection. Good morning. Yeah, I thought you forgot that. <laughs> I have been excited to do that for such a long, long time. I welcome you this morning on this Mother's Day, this family day. And I want to share with you a little bit of my own family. Because uh, many of you have times you've asked about my family. And uh, my parents... Um, are here. Uh, my mother is now uh, eternally with me, and that is my father whom I take care of and am responsible for. Many of you asked about him. Uh, also, along with parenting issues, we also have uh, parenting from our grandparents and from our sisters and our siblings, our fathers, and this is my uh, uh, paternal grandmother. As you can see, I do have legs. Uh, <laughs> They haven't seen daylight in a while, <laughs> but that is my grandmother. And then you have the young family. Uh, yes, I still love hats. <laughs> and also we have uh, new parents. Oh, those are my parents uh, when um, a Mother's Day, actually, you can tell by the carnation. Um, my parents and my beautiful self. And here we are in birth order power of women. We were first each time. <laughs> each set we were first. And also wanted to share with you my new great nephew, Noah James, my niece Ashley and her husband Patrick. So I invite you all to do remember uh, Mother's Day today or Parent Day, Mentoring Day, uh, because we know that if mother's not happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> that is truth. And I think it resonates on all of our heart this morning. Uh, all right, namaste. I recognize the God spirit in each and every one of you. So when I was given the scripture reading uh, to look at to see what it is that the message would be, I was really excited. I mean, I looked at that and I thought, wow, on Mother's Day, we're going to be talking about the power of women in the church. And I thought, Wow, there's so many women to talk about. All right, so so many women who uh, played such a significant role in Jesus and in the church and in the now. So many women like Mother Mary Magdalene, uh, we have Sophia, we have Tabitha, we have Mary the mother of Mark, we have Lydia who graces us with her purple fabric. We have Priscilla, who was so involved in missionary work. So many women, and I was really getting excited, and then it came. Confusion. Confusion, because as Reverend Krista said in one of her other services, there's so many ways that this one little scripture could go. Confusion, many ways in which <laughs> I didn't know which way to turn. Didn't, way, didn't know which way to go. My thoughts, my efforts were looking for a direction and where should I go? I was at the end of my wits, actually. Didn't know whether to turn right or left. And so I waited and there it came. Silence. Silence, that dreaded silence when you could hear a pin drop or a train whistle from far away that you never thought was in your area. Train whistle, train whistle from far. 
You know, they say that uh, silence is golden. Not when you're looking for direction, it isn't. <laughs> and parents and teachers, you know that. You know that silence isn't golden. You know that when all of a sudden there's silence, somebody somewhere is doing something that they shouldn't. <laughs> and something is getting ready to hit the fan. <laughs> really is. So silence is not always golden. But silence is a good teacher. Silence. Silence, when we're waiting for that answer from God, Silence is sometimes when God allows those large spaces between the no and the yes to teach us obedience. And it's many times during those times in my life, particularly like now, Scripture has a way of hitting you where it is right now, that I reflect upon a piece of piety that maybe you may have heard of. It's called, When a Door Closes, a window opens, or God opens a window. Anyone heard of that? Yeah, so you've heard it too. Well, pa Palmer Parker, who we've talked about before in our services, was a graduate assistant when he was let go. He was told by his faculty director and advisor that the career that he wanted to be in wasn't for him, and it wasn't going to work out. Oh my gosh, have you ever happened in that life? Something that you have a passion for and that you have worked so hard for, all of a sudden says, you know what? You just don't have the voice to be a singer. You don't have the jokes to be a comedian. You don't have the talent that's, you need to look for another vocation. And oh my God, his entire world turned upside down and he didn't know what to do. He was trying to make sense of it, trying to find help, trying to find console, and he didn't know what to do. So he was living in a small community of Pendle Hill, a Quaker community just outside of Philadelphia, and he sought a direction from a, uh, a Quaker woman of 65 years old because he kept hearing this piece of Quaker piety going on in his head that said, have faith way will open. Have faith, way would open. In the midst of distress and despair, he kept saying, have faith, way would open. I'm waiting. Where is it? It's not opening. You know, where is it? So he went to this, this woman who uh, had been by born a Quaker all of her life, and he says, you know, he says, I've been attending church. I've been going to meetings. I've been following the, communion, the sacrament of Holy Communion. And I keep hearing way will open. And I'm telling you right now, it's not opening. And it is wearing me out. And I am tired. And I don't know what to do. And so she thought for a minute and he said, well, hadn't worked for me either. Well, that wasn't very helpful, he thought. <laughs> you know, way will open hasn't helped you either. And so she said, would you know, if I had to look at that piece of piety, I'd have to rephrase it. And she said, I would have to say, 
For me, it goes like this. Way will close. Way would close. Because when the way closes, it's given me a sense of direction. When the way closes, I have been given a sense of direction. When the job ends, when the searching ends, when the conflict ends, when the relationship ends, when the wonder what if ends, the way has been closed, a new direction, a new path has been opened. And we have to figure out where we are. We have to figure out where our options are. We have to listen and to listen within. We have to decide, make a decision to turn and move again. You know, uh, first sermon, someone gave me the name of that truck that I'm going to tell you about. It's called a crazy truck. And you, it's a toy. And, and what it does is uh, it, you set it off and it goes and it hits a wall. It whirls around, turns around and goes another direction. And it keeps doing that until it finds a clear path. Somebody must have been going through something in their life when they developed that. <laughs> they were looking for a way with open, too. <laughs> but researchers know that. Researchers know that. They keep experimenting and experimenting and losing, you know, narrowing down their options and their chances. Researchers uh, know that. Inventors know that. They keep in working with an item until they finally get it to work. You know, but it's these transitions time, these in-between times that get us. Because it gets us because then we are fear, filled with fear and self-doubt and questions and wondering, you know, am I really worth it? Do I really have enough faith to make it? Is my vocation really right for me? Is this relationship really good for me? And all of those questions come into play when we're in these in-between time. And so I felt that in today's scripture, in light of today's scripture, as Paul was looking at what to do, and he was looking for a way to open, that this, this was really kind of in sync. And so what had happened was is that Paul had journeyed to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Troas, from the bottom of your screen to the top. And he wanted to go to Asia to spread the message of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that Asia is, is the new Turkey. And so Paul, like Peter, like we learned about last week, had to be told no three times also. So we come by our hard-headedness honestly. So let's take a look. Things were pretty good, going pretty well when Paul and Silas... As they were preaching and teaching, they were communicating this saving power, and the churches were doing very well. And as they were still in the providence of, providence of Cilicia and Syria, which is just north of Jerusalem along the seacoast there, Paul had been receiving uh, these correspondence, and he said, you know, things are looking pretty good. Maybe we ought to expand our vision, our scope of things. We ought to go up to Asia Minor. So there they go. They head out. Now, I don't know how long it takes to get from Jerusalem down here up to Troas. 1,000 miles. 
I don't know how long it would take to walk, but I do know how long it takes to walk 25 miles. Because years ago, when I was 18, just last week, <clears throat> March of Dimes had their first ever uh, walk for the life. And it started out to be 25 miles, so you get off easy now, okay? 25 miles, and I decided, oh, I can do that, no problem. No problem, I can do that. So I gathered up uh, two other girls, friends of mine, and we decided that we would do this. And my mother played a little bit of psychology on me, which I didn't know then, but I do know now. She said, nah, you'll never make it. Oh, that's all I needed to hear. I had to prove her wrong. So I was determined to make that 25 miles. And so we had it out. And yes, we did. All three of us, we made it. But it took from sunset, uh, uh, from dawn to, to evening. It was almost dark when we set out, and it was dark when we came home. And so I had learned that during that time that my person that I was pacing myself with was really encouraging me, helping me along the way. And that's what Silas was doing for Paul and Paul to Silas. They were encouraging each other. So in a way, they were a paraclete. Now, not a parakeet, not like a bird, but a bird can be a companion too, but a paraclete. And a paraclete is someone that, someone that can do things that you can't do, like a nurse is to a doctor, a, a, uh, a uh, model to a artist, a backup singer to a vocalist, a straight person to a comic duo, <laughs> straight loosely, <laughs> uh, but a parakeet cleat is someone, not the bird, not the bird, <laughs> is someone who is, walks alongside you and giving that encouragement, and that's what we were doing. We were going, oh, one more mile, one more mile, one more mile. We can make that one more mile. Yeah, we can do it. Come on, we can do it. We're almost there. Look how far we've come. We can do it. And so, but paraclete comes from the word parakletos. And parakletos is the Greek word for Holy Spirit. And we find that in John, in the scripture of John 14, a little verses at the beginning from where we had today, where it said, I am going to talk to God and will provide you a friend. So it, this friend will always be with you. But the godly world, godless world cannot see it because it doesn't have eyes to see it. It doesn't know what to look for. But you know that the Holy Spirit and the presence will be with you and stay with you until the very end. Parakletos, guiding us, comforting us, supporting us, encouraging us. So when Paul and Silas arrived in Lystra, they were joined by Timothy. And now Timothy, uh, presence is important. Timothy's presence is important because his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. And so what that tells us is with Timothy joining Paul and Silas is that what God is doing here, you know we say that in the vow of what God is doing, let no one separate, no one undo. What God was doing here is that he was showing everybody that the message that I have for you is for the Jewish and the Gentiles. But there was a problem. The problem is that if Timothy was going to be taken seriously, 
he was going to have to have the mark of the covenant on him, and he didn't have it at this point because everybody knew that Timothy's father was Greek. So you say, the mark of the covenant. Hmm. So, Paul goes over to Timothy, and he says, look, he says, uh, I know it doesn't really matter to me. You know I've been preaching this, that it really doesn't matter whether you are circumcised or not. It's not important to me, but it is important to the world that we're preaching to. He said, so we have a dilemma here. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do because this is a decision that, that you have to make. And is there some way that we could come together and make this work? Well, that was easy for Paul to do. He didn't have to make this uh, sacrifice, this painful sacrifice. So Timothy, wanting to uh, forward the word and the message on so that everyone would know of this saving grace, decides to allow Paul to circumcise him. And so therefore, Timothy now had the mark of the covenant on him and people took him seriously. So, now they decide to go west to the province of, but the way to Asia was closed. It was blocked. The Holy Spirit uh, wouldn't let them in. And so this wasn't unusual during that time. You know, many times they've had to, to regroup, turn around, go back, find, it, find things. So Paul says, okay, let's find another route. All right, so we're going to go north to Bithynia. And again, the door was closed. That's the second time the door was closed. Well, many of us would have given up on the first time, let alone the second time. But Paul was persistent, he was undeterred, and he and his disciples were going to go forward because that's where they believed in their heart that they were to go. So they traveled down to the seaport of Troas to try another route when they noticed that um, during this in-between time, they were still preaching and serving God and going on spreading the word. They weren't lamenting over the fact that they had tried two ways and still there was, they were still looking for a way. They just went and continued their journey. Well, they go to sleep one night, and Paul has a dream. And dream and visions in, in the Bible and scripture is they're equal with each other. You can still have waking dreams just as you can have sleeping dreams and visions. And dreams are important because they are God's forgotten language. They were God's forgotten language then and, and now. Well, not then, because they were important then. Because it, then, that was the only way that God could talk to God's people was through dreams and visions. But nowadays, nowadays we're too busy. We're too busy with the world around us, uh, with all of the little gadgets and the things that we have. And so we don't take the time to develop that, that inner voice, that quiet side of us. So the thing with dreams is that dreams have no boundaries. You know, in dreams you can fly, you can be in two places at one time, you can even uh, breathe and sing and dance underwater. You know, dream, in anything, dreams are possible. So in Paul's dream... He saw a Macedonian man standing on a shore calling to him, says, come over to Macedonia, help us. We need you, come help us. You know? Now, how did Paul know that that was a Macedonian man? Because he knew by his attire. 
We could go out in the city and we could tell where people are from, right? Just simply by their attire. Yeah, we can tell, you know, who they are, on which side they wear their keys, what handkerchief they have in which pocket and what color, you know. It's true. We can tell. We know exactly. So, all right, Paul was happy. Direction. Aha, window was open. And so, all of the puzzle pieces were becoming together. They were coming into place. And so, there it was. Paul and his companions, they head out on a boat, cross the Aegean Sea, land in the islands of Semotrace. And then they journey on to Philippi, which is the correct way of pronouncing it. I know we say Philippi, but it's Philippi. And Philippi was a former Roman colony, and that's where a lot of Roman soldiers would retire to. And it was uh, something that Rome was very proud of. And so on the Sabbath of that day, it was an understood that they were going to go to church. But there wasn't a church or a synagogue in, in the area at that time. And so it was understood that for them to go to church, go to synagogue, that they would have to look to, to a river of running water. Because there was no synagogue because they didn't have 10 Jewish men to form a church. But they had heard about this group of women who were meeting down by the river. And so they decided, oh, we're, we're going to go there. Because in that day and time, running water, or places where there was water, was considered holy. So that's where they went. They went over to the river on the Sabbath, and there they meet Lydia. Lydia, a woman, a merchant of purple goods, of everything purple. And purple was hard to come by during those times. I mean, it took a lot of those little bitty snails to come together to make, this is a fish story, uh, to make... Uh, make the color purple. It really did. And so it was very rare indeed. So I know why as a community we like our regal purple. Okay? Purple. And Lydia was a believer. She was a believer. And when Paul got there, he took her aside and he talked to her. And we don't know exactly what Paul said to her. We don't know if he forgave her. We don't know if he just gave her a great big love hug. We don't know what it was, but it opened her heart. It changed her. Every part of her heart was filled. And now she went from being a church goer to a Christ bearer. So from that point on, her home was a meeting place for all who believed to come and to worship and to praise God. Her heart was open. What will it take for you today to go from a church goer to a Christ bearer? What will it take to touch your heart and open it fully? Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, how we truly praise you and thank you for this glorious day. We thank you, Lord God, for the closed doors in our lives, the closed path. We thank you, Lord God, that we have that time to regroup and to turn around and spin around, see where we are, 
to look for the open window that you have provided us with. We thank you, Lord God, for the words of comfort, the words of restoration, the words of healing, ah, the words of forgiveness, for the hope and the repair in our lives and in the lives of those that we care so much for. Lord God, give us Jesus. Give us Jesus right now. When we have no way, when we don't know what to do, give us Jesus right now, this day. In this we pray, amen. I've had the